Local COVID-19 updates from the experts. What to know from UT Southwestern. Hello, I'm Dr. John Warner, Executive Vice President for Health System Affairs at UT Southwestern Medical Center. Welcome to this week's episode of UT Southwestern's What to Know. With school out for the summer, many of you are now thinking about what's safe to do with your kids. As the restrictions on our lives are easing, some of you are thinking about things like day camps or even overnight camps and balancing the benefit to your children with the ongoing precautions that we're all taking to protect against the risk of the spread of COVID-19. With us today to help answer your questions and to help you navigate the summer are two UT Southwestern physicians. Dr. Jeffrey Kahn is the Chief of the Division of Pediatric Infectious Diseases here at UT Southwestern. And joining him is Dr. Rena Singavi, a pediatric gastroenterologist and a mother of two children herself. And I'm sure Dr. Singavi is thinking about all the same questions that you are as she attempts to navigate this summer for her kids. So welcome Dr. Khan and Dr. Singavi. So Dr. Khan, I'd like to begin with you. Uh, you're an expert in coronaviruses. How worried should parents be going into the summer? What's this current science telling us? And what kind of things should parents be thinking about going into a summer of COVID-19? We know that the science suggests that children, fortunately, uh, are um, very rarely get severe infection due to the coronavirus that causes COVID-19. And that a very small percentage of the uh, individuals who are hospitalized due to COVID-19 are actually children. So it seems like children are spared from severe disease during this pandemic. The important thing to note, of course, is that children can get infected and they can spread infection. So Dr. Singavi, we've all changed our lives a lot um, over the last few months to prevent the spread of the virus. You know, and we're all of us coming and going from work, interacting at work, we're socially distancing, we're wearing masks, particularly when we're in healthcare settings, we're wearing masks to protect ourselves and protect our patients. What behaviors uh, should we be thinking about in children to help them prevent the spread of coronavirus? I think pretty much the same. Uh, and, and these are a little bit harder in children for sure. The first thing to, for parents to remember is, is there somebody in your household who is a high risk um, person in terms of getting coronavirus or getting seriously ill with coronavirus? Um, and if that's the case, and I do recommend that parents take extra precautions uh, with their children who may not get as sick. So my 81-year-old mother lives with me, so I am a little bit more careful with my children. Uh, in general, uh, we have limited trips outside of the house with our children, for sure. Um, and if we do end up going outside the house in a closed setting, um, for example, a doctor's visit or a dentist's visit, um, then we make sure that the children wear masks. Now, I do want to stress that it's very important for children to continue to see their physicians for their regular healthcare visits, continue to see their dentists for their regular dental checkups, because children are still going to continue to grow. And we want to make sure we keep an eye on them and make sure that they stay healthy. The biggest, hardest change, Dr. Warner, is them interacting with their friends. Children are much more social in general than us adults. Um, and it's really hard for them to socially distance when they're around with friends. So Dr. Khan, I, I, this wearing a mask has become something fairly uniform in adults. Tell us when children should be wearing masks and uh, maybe you could give all of us uh, some tips on how to get them to wear a mask. I can't imagine that's easy. So this is a, 
a, a big challenge in the pediatric population. Obviously, it's going to be age dependent and child dependent. Um, certainly, trying to put a mask on a young, uh, a toddler or a young child is certainly be going to be quite challenging and actually may de defeat the purpose of actually wearing a mask. Uh, if the child is pulling and, and tugging at the mask, what we want to try to prevent is a lot of, of hands touching the face. So that may be quite counterproductive. And older children who understand it, I think that that's a, it, it's a reasonable uh, uh, effort to, to try to get them to wear masks. Uh, but as Dr. Singavi had mentioned, you know, children are very much social creatures and um, it's going to be a challenge to keep children apart, taking the precautions as far as um, thinking about who's in the household, who, who's at risk. Uh, it, are, again, the first essential questions to ask when it comes to mask wearing. So Dr. Singavi, if this weren't the summer of COVID, right about now, we would be having pool parties and backyard barbecues and trips to the zoo and all sorts of things for children. Um, what kind of things uh, do you recommend are safe for parents to engage in with their children in terms of activities? And, and what type of precautions are you and your family taking when you go outdoors? And perhaps what advice you're giving to other families that are considering the same types of things? Um, yes, and this is going to be a long, hard summer, Dr. Warner, because our children have already been home for a few months. Um, a couple of activities that we think are really safe, and that's what we've been advising our kids and their friends. I think going on a bike ride, for example, with other children, as long as you've uh, done some question asking, like Dr. Khan uh, mentioned earlier, uh, make sure there are no sick contacts in the house and no high-risk uh, people in the other household. But I think a bike ride, for example, is a great way for children to interact without being super close to each other. Um, we've also allowed our children to swim in our uh, home pool. Now, I think this is where there's a lot of angst, right? Do we go swimming when the community pool opens or doesn't open? I think there is uh, some fairly good evidence that the virus does get deactivated by the chlorine within the water. And I think most experts would agree that it takes uh, more than a few seconds of exposure to the virus to really um, get the infection uh, from pool water. Um, I think the, the tricky part is if you do go to a community pool, how are they going to socially distance when they come out from the pool? Some people have tried having their pool chairs far away from each other. It's not always going to work for children. So what I recommend to my friends and other parents is you should um, sort of think about how your child would interact with other children when they come out from the pool. And if you think it's going to be really hard to keep your extremely social child away from other children outside of the pool, maybe the community pool is not the right setting for you. The other activity that we are um, doing and looking into uh, even as the summer goes along is going camping to the outdoors. I think that's a really safe activity in general. Being outdoors is a lower risk than being indoors. Um, and again, if you take your own tent uh, and go to an area that has a low prevalence of COVID, I think overall the risk is low. Um, I, I also think that at this point, I am uh, just a little bit uh, wary of air travel. I think there are beautiful places around Texas, but I think we need to keep an eye on the prevalence of COVID before we venture too far out. So this time of year, a lot of families are making decisions about summer camps, either day camps or actually having their kids attend overnight camps. What kind of things should parents be thinking about as they make those decisions? 
And also, what kind of questions should they be asking the camps themselves about precautions that the camps are taking? So, Dr. Khan, I'll start with you. So I, I, let's separate these two. The, the, the day camp uh, issue is one where I think it's important to ask where the campers are coming from. If they're all coming from the Dallas area, well, we can watch the prevalence of the virus. Uh, we have great data from UT Southwestern, the modeling. Um, so one question I would have for day camps is where are these kids coming from? Obviously, they're coming from a high prevalence area. That would that would cause me a little bit of pause because I would want to know more about what types of precautions are being done. So that's the issue with day camps. For sleepaway camps, there are advantages and disadvantages of sleepaway camps. One disadvantage is that people tend to, the children tend to come from a variety of different areas. So you maybe have children mingling who are coming from low incidence areas with high incidence areas. So that's a particular challenge. The advantage of a sleepaway camp is that once the camp gets started, the camp tends to be pretty secluded in that, in that there's not a lot of flow of individuals within the camp to outside the camp. So if there's no virus in the camp when camp starts, it's really unlikely that the virus is going to enter. So there are different challenges for these different scenarios, but it's very important for parent, patients, parents to ask these questions and get clear answers as far as what would be the response if the virus is detected within the camp. So Dr. Singava, you've got kids that are a little older than some and in terms of middle school and high school kids uh, that age. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're telling them as they mingle with their friends and as they leave the house to be involved in some more activities over the summer. You know, the first thing I've noticed, Dr. Warner, with my kids, even though they're a little bit older and we have um, you know, nieces and nephews who are younger, is that the children have a level of anxiety related to the coronavirus. I think they know that it's something really bad, and that's why I've had to stay home from school these past few months. So the first thing I'm talking with my children about is how anxious are you regarding hanging out with your friends? And I think that also goes back to the question uh, regarding camps, either day camps or overnight camps. I think parents should have the discussion with their children if they're going to be very anxious going into these social settings, and it may not be the right time yet to push them into that setting. Um, the other conversation I certainly am having with uh, my children is lots and lots and lots of hand washing. Um, certainly before you put any food in your mouth, if they do eat, then uh, when they're with their friends, make sure you wash your hands. So I do recommend that if they are uh, eating in the setting with their friends, then don't share food. Preferably have prepackaged food or something um, that is their own food that they eat. And then I get this perennial question. I'm sure all the parents are getting it. Can I go for a sleepover at so-and-so's house? This is the way I decide to go through this. Number one, I determine if there is a high-risk person in the friend's household or in my household um, who would be um, at risk of contracting COVID, even if my asymptomatic child brought it back. Number two is I do ask screening questions to the other family. Um, is there anybody in your house who's been sick, cold, cough, body aches, sore throat? And I also try and ask questions about recent travel. Have they visited any other city or any other state uh, in the last two or three weeks? Has anybody who's been ill or anybody from out of state visited them? Because that brings a higher likelihood of the virus coming into their house. If both of the answers to the uh, questions are no, so there's no high-risk person and the screening questions are uh, looking good, then I might allow the sleepover. And I'm also certainly allowing um, 
my child the latitude to say, well, maybe not yet, but in a few weeks, we can revisit this question. So Dr. Khan, we've all had some sort of case of cabin fever the last few, uh, the last few months. So now that the weather's nice and we're all beginning to move about the city a bit more, talk to us a little bit about parks. So as, kid, as kids are visiting parks, either by themselves or with their parents, what type of precautions should they be thinking about and behaviors should they be thinking about? Because there the equipment is fixed, you'll definitely be sharing it with other kids. And how would you uh, give advice to both parents and to kids? In a park, being outside, you're far more likely to get infected with the virus by touching an infected surface or contaminated surface, I should say, and then touching your nose or your face rather than getting it through a respiratory route. So my advice to parents and children, of course, you can't wipe down all the park equipment after every single child has been on the equipment, but you can make sure that your child uh, sanitizes their hands after each exposure to any park equipment. That would be the greatest risk for acquiring infection is touching uh, high touch services that may, or, that may be contaminated. So that would be the, the advice that I would use. Make it more personal rather than general. Again, you can't wipe down every piece of equipment out there, but you can certainly be mindful of your, of your child's hands. So Dr. Sengavi, over the last couple of months, we've all done our jobs a little differently. And certainly as physicians, we are all practicing a little differently and adjusting our work. So as things begin to open up a little bit across the city and across our own UT Southwestern workplace, tell me a little bit about what you're doing to keep yourself safe and, the, and keep the colleagues that you work with safe. You know, um, I, I think that's a great question. Definitely before we come into work, we're all screening ourselves with a symptom questionnaire. So if there's any cough, fever, sore throat, body aches, then we are not coming into work and we're making sure we report to occupational health. Similarly, we are uh, tracking symptoms of all patients and parents, all the children and parents who are coming into our facility. And if there's anybody that doesn't, um, that seems that there may have some symptoms of coronavirus, we are uh, asking them not to come into the facility and we're talking with them over the phone. Once we're here, we're all masking, both children, adults, uh, physicians, healthcare workers, all of us are masking to really help prevent the spread of the virus. And lastly, there are some high-risk patients who um, I don't think it's still safe for them to come into a healthcare setting or who are still very anxious or worried about coming into the healthcare setting. And we are offering them telehealth visits through audio-visual visits. And I think that's been wonderful for both the children as well as for the physicians. So uh, Dr. Khan, you're an infectious disease expert. I'm curious to know what you're doing in terms of visiting restaurants and retail spaces. Well, I haven't done a lot of visiting to restaurants or retail spaces. Um, I am encouraged that uh, from what I can tell, many people are wearing masks. It's important that people continue to wear masks, even if the level of virus declines, because I think for the most part, um, the vast majority of people in our community right now are still susceptible to the virus. So there's a large pool of, of susceptible individuals and we should still maintain sort of these personal um, activities to prevent the spread or acquisition of the virus. So Dr. Ngavi, as a pediatrician, <laughs> pediatric specialist, I know that every parent's asking you a lot of questions. Uh, what's the number one question you're getting from parents? 
number one question I'm getting is, can I go on my summer holiday? And that always dovetails into, and does that mean that school's going to open in the fall? Um, and I think those are both really hard questions. Uh, I've certainly advised parents to cancel um, or postpone international vacations for sure, um, and try and think of more local vacations. Um, I've also advised them to try and make sure you make the summer special for these children. Um, but I think I would ask them to downplay um, the whole school restarting in the fall, because I think there is still a lot of unknown about if that will happen and how that will look like when it happens. Dr. Khan, I'm, I suspect you're used to hard questions from parents just by the very nature of your specialty. What's the, what's the number one question you're getting from parents? Well, the, the question I'm getting from parents and, and friends and colleagues is, when is this going to end? And we talked about this a little earlier, and you know, there's no answer to this question. Although I think that you know, the virus is going to be around for a, a while, and um, I think we should think about both short-term plans and long-term plans. Um, what's going what's gonna to change um, the way we approach this virus, I think, is first going to be a therapeutic. I think it's more likely we'll have a therapeutic before a vaccine. But those are down the road a bit. Um, as Dr. Singavi mentioned, you know, the schools may not reopen in, in, in the late summer or early fall and, and really to prepare for the long haul. This may be going on for quite some time. Well, thank you both for joining us. Uh, these are tough times for parents. They're having to navigate things that they, they haven't had to navigate before. And we very much appreciate all the great advice that both of you have provided today. So thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. The ideas for these programs come from you. So as you're thinking about topics and people you'd like to hear from this summer, please let us know. You can reach us at whattoknow at utsouthwestern.edu. Have a great weekend and stay safe and stay healthy.